tell something about your label, how it started. It's uh, a labor of love. I love the idea of putting out records. My label, and I choose everything that goes out on it. We were invisible. I couldn't figure out why no one wanted to put out their record. Like, how come there's no label interest? Labels I do not trust and I don't respect. It's a much more uh, commercial, corporate business. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the record industry. They could see how delusional we really are. And, you know, I've got this demo that there's no offers to do anything. And I knew a lot of bands like that. Let's make something that means something to us. We did do it ourselves. You're a, a teenager with disposable income. and We had the money, we had the tape. Decided we wanted to put the record out ourselves. Which, yeah, at the time, was kind of almost an achievable goal. We knew nothing about it whatsoever. There were several people who thought that we did not know what we were doing. How do you put out records? What is the, how does that work? Pressing records turned out to be fairly simple. You just looked in the phone book under record pressing. Here's a phone number. Call these people. We can cut the first 10,000 records we made. Even though we lose money now, we can't give it up because it's community property. I didn't select it. It was the art of necessity. Hey, hey, welcome to More Than a Label, the podcast where we tell the story of independent and DIY labels uh, through interviews with label owners and and getting them to select some songs from their catalogue that they feel best represents uh, their their work and what they're trying to achieve with the label. My name's Maris and I am beyond stoked to be your host on this sonic journey. I, I thought long and hard about exactly who to feature in our, our, our debut episode and it's a, it's a bloody big call. Um, and I kept returning to this label. Its releases have long been a window into a new world for me, right from when I was a teenager all the way through to, to last year. I was still discovering new stuff. And I know that that's, that's true for others as well. A true gateway label, I think. But one not without its, its controversy. And it's a label that's, that, uh, as you'll hear, is, has been able to rub all the right people the wrong ways um, for over 20 years now. Um, I first interviewed Jay from Snapshot Records 20 years ago when I was a teenage punish uh, and I did a fanzine called Colostomy Piñata uh, and I interviewed Jay about the first couple of years of Snapshot Records and went into a depth you know, beyond probably what Jay really wanted to go into. It's uh, obviously an out-of-touch music critic kind of question. Um, and now, well, I'm just a middle-aged punish. So it was really, it made sense to bring him back and to talk to him again. Extreme, confronting, a label that's uncompromising in their DIY approach, as I'm sure you'll hear, as well as their ethics, and a label that's relentlessly productive. This is a label that supports artists who really and truly push the envelope of underground music, particularly Australian artists. Stalwarts of the Sydney punk scene for well over two decades and counting, uh, this label has put out so much local punk hardcore and noise that it's really hard to imagine an Australian punk scene and definitely a Sydney punk scene without them. Last year, 2020 alone, they churned out 60 releases. And even if you have a look at the list of artists that they've featured, it's a, it's a who's who of Australian punk. And it's an ongoing list that keeps growing. And these artists range from now stadium-filling acts all the way through to individuals that are still you know, making noise in their bedroom or laundry. 
this is a label that's run by some of the most genuine and supportive people who've also been really instrumental in helping a, a series of other ventures get off the ground. And they don't even look close to slowing down. Their energy and output is just dizzying. As a long-time admirer of everything that this label does, it really gives me no end of pleasure. Like I said, I'm beyond stoked to introduce Jay from Inner City Uprising. Welcome, Jay. Thanks, man. How are you? Nice intro there, Morris. I started going a bit red. Started going a bit red, yeah. I, it, yeah, it, I, don't, I don't know about coughing out pats on the shoulders. It's a bit weird for me. Yeah, I figured you might. And that's part of the reason I, I wanted you to hear that um, because, uh, you, you know, your record label is a label of re- that I hold in really high esteem. And I know that's Thank not you. just me. A lot of people in the in the scene do. And and um, hopefully in the next hour and a bit, we'll, we'll find out a little bit about exactly why that is. Cheers, man. So we're talking today about inner city uprising, but really, like, it's impossible to tell that story without talking about Snapshot. So take us back yeah. to when Snapshot was was started. Oh man, I, I really know it's it's a tricky month for me. I was a bit of a drunk back in those days. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what year it all kicked off. I have no idea. I don't keep catalog numbers. I don't do any. I, I just don't take notice shit that I put out. I forget half the shit I put out. Um, it started off with a zine, actually. I used to do this shitty zine called Noise Crash. If I read it now, I'd probably hate it and cringe, but I, I don't know how old I was, 17, maybe 18, I'm not sure. Did a few issues of that, and um, that put me in touch with a lot of bands at the time. So there was one, I think it might have been issue three. I only did three issues. I did a compilation tape. I just knew so many people, you know, I met so many bands. I can't remember who was on it, but I remember having, um, I think, Magnus site. Wall Street Cop Killers. That's all I can remember, actually. It was heaps. It was a 90-minute tape. I taped every single one of my tape deck at home. Did about 250 yeah. copies. It was a pain in the ass. But um, I was pretty proud of it. You know, it was my first little venture into music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after that, I did some naughty things. Did I started doing a few bootlegs. Yeah, I've um, got a couple of those, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know which ones. Uh, we won't talk about those. We won't talk but, about those, no. Yeah, but I, oh, yeah, I was working at Phantom Records at the time. Um, I was lucky enough to get like a part-time Sunday gig at Phantom. And that was like one of the truly good punk record labels. It wasn't so good when I worked there. That was sort of on the way down. But, you know, I got to have a tail in there, which was pretty cool. Prestigious label. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Put out some killer shit. Anyway, you know, um, I got friendly with Jules who worked there. And he took me under his wing and showed me a few things, some good habits and bad habits, you know. And then I started uh, working on that first comp I ever did, that call it whatever you want. Yeah. Yep. Number one, uh, I must say, look, it looks shit. Um, you know, I, I wasn't into art or anything like that. I've got hand stamped the cases and shit, but still to this day, pretty much a truly amazing compilation. Absolutely. Um, you know, drawback for defense, fallout. I can't remember who else did, but, you know, huge. And, and at the time, I think it really brought the scene together as well without pissing mm-hmm. in my own pocket. But, you know, stuff like, um, especially stuff like forward defence and drawback hanging out and playing together, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, then it, that's when it kicked off. That's a monumental so, release, absolutely. Yeah, that for me, that was pretty special. And I sold quite a few. That, and that was, that were the days when, you know, there was punks everywhere, you know. I, I could go up to Newtown for a trip and take 20 copies in my bag and sell them for five bucks each. And by the time I finished oh, hanging yeah. out at Newtown for two hours, they're all gone. Those days are over, but... Yeah, I think that, that was when, that's how it kicked off. I can't remember the year. You probably know the year better than me, mate. Well, actually, interestingly, like I, I dug out this morning, this guy, 
which people in, in podcast land won't be able to see, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, so the first, the first two years of Snapshot Records are covered pretty well in that, and I'll, I'll, I'll PDF that and... Um, and I'll upload it somewhere so that people can find that. Probably be the the more more than a label Facebook page. So yeah. I'm interested that you mentioned Phantom. Um, what other labels at the time were you kind of looking towards as like you know inspiration or or like as a as a model for trying to do uh, something? Look, that's that's pretty easy. I've had a few as through the years go by. You know, um, definitely No Deal Records run by Sean from Toe to Toe. Um, that was a huge inspiration, mate. Like, Sean, for me, is the, the king of Sydney punk. Um, Ditto. More than what anyone could, you know, and, and he's like a peer to me, you know, became a good friend too, you know, played in the blurs with him for a little while and got to put out some records for him. Uh, the Spiral Objective catalogue. Yeah, you know, right. yeah, for sure. You know, you know, it was like every kid was right away waiting for that catalogue to appear. And yep. there was a stage there when I wanted to have that, when I wanted to be that, you know. To yeah, have that catalogue myself, you know, and I think, I think at one stage of this I was quite big. I, I basically lived in a house full of music, yep. uh, like Greg Spiral used to. Uh, those things have changed, thank fuck, because that was a headache. Um, but then along the way, you know, there's been other labels as well. Not so much the Phantoms and the Waterfronts and those sort of labels. That they were always um, sort of untouchable. You know, they're more. I don't know. They seem more mainstream to me, anyway. You know, but um. They were on a different level, kind yeah, of. Yeah, totally different level. Good to visit, you know. Good, yeah, good shops. Yeah. They, 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 you know, they were um, pretty important in getting some of us young blokes into our first sort of music. You know, I remember going to um, Red Eye Records with a mate from school, and you know, we'd go there and spend an hour in Red Eye moving all the records around. So we had them all in one pile, and then picking them up and doing the runner. Yeah. You know, and coming home with like you, um, some of like the, uh, this. Uh, you know, that's how I learned about Murphy's Law. Um, there was another great album I stole, The, the Spirit by Hardcore Band. I forget the name. Um, oh, great straight edge hardcore, you know. Yeah. I was only a kid and that, that shit, it meant nothing to me, straight edge, but at the time it was a fucking great album, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and through the years, there's been other, other record labels, you know, that have, you know, done it for me. Can't think of any off the top of my head right now. Um, but yeah, you know, I think Resist Records, you know, I bagged them for a long time. I used to think Resist was killing the scene, you know. But, man, hats off the grain. I could not fucking work a record label 24-7 like he does. And he's done it relentlessly for a long time. I used to ride my push bike to work at 4.30 in the morning when I used to be an engineer. I'd ride past the shop every day and he'd be there. And I'd tap my window and go, what the fuck are you doing, Graham? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got to wait for a fax. I'm like, fuck, dude. Yeah, well, you know, the dude's put in a lot of effort. I, I don't agree with all that sort of some of the stuff that he's promoted. You know, it's a totally different scene for me. Um, I, I think I won't get into politics of it, but yeah, he's done a lot, man. It's huge yeah, yeah. stuff like Deported Records run by Scotty Harper, yeah. who's a fuckwit. But um, yeah, you know, great label, put out some killer shit, mm. started like really putting out some crust and grind stuff with better production and that. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th those releases, as small as they were in terms of number, they were really good quality releases, mm. really good quality bands, good, good mastering. Yeah, and look at and then, then there's little other labels like I like Scotty, who used to work at Missing Link, he used to do Death Valley, you know, some cool underground rock and roll and stuff. Always a nice guy. There's plenty of labels out there, but they're, they're, the, they're the older guys that are sort yeah. of. Looked about, looked on. 
So yeah. let's 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 have a song. What's what's the first song you're going to lay on us from? from oh, mate, for me it's Forward Defence, Hang You Bastard Die. There's no doubt that was a changing point for the label. Um, mate, when I first heard Forward Defence, the demo, it was it was life changing. Um, again, those guys became my mates. I lived with Tomo for a little while. Um, I got to do their 12 inch, which is like monumental piece for me. Yep. So yeah, definitely. For defense, hang your grass to die. There is something about that recording as well that even today oh. it stands up as being a really abrasive and brutal. Right, you know, yeah, it's it's you know Canberra Housing Commission filth, mate. It is, it's full on. Uh, Ford defense, rock spider. Here we go. You brown defenseless children for your sexual demand and desire, scarring them for life. You're a filthy rock spider. After that sort of, you know, that that era in in snapshot, you actually kind of took a took a break and 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 stopped doing a lot of stuff altogether, really. Oh, that was pretty pretty later on. Like I did snapshot for a while, you know. I did that through. I'm very bad with years, so I can't tell you years. But you know, I got to the point where I started. I did straight up records for a little while yep, and did yep. like that. I was very cashed up at the time, you know, doing things that you shouldn't be doing by law. Um, that's why I called it sort of criminally funded hardcore. There was always that logo on the back of the um, CDs. And... It, was, it was real subtle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, just like me, yeah, prick. And, um, 
Yeah, you know, and I did those, you know, Grim Reality, AVO, yep. uh, Arms Reach, Triple Disc, Blood Duster, um, Rupture. There's a the host of CDs in a much better quality, like, you know, nutritional yeah, yep. CDs, better yep. quality. That. After that, I gave it away for a while. Um, what was happened, it? Like, Did you just burn out or what was it? Um, I had the opportunity to sell the whole of my distro. To, there, was, there was one time I, I was talking to Chris from Repress Records mm-hmm. and I lived in a unit and, you know, I had a CD collection like you've got behind you, but like three or four deep to the roof all around the whole house. Boxes of merch, boxes of double page, you know, I had a, this scheme of making me old flatmate in Germany who worked for a... Um, a huge T-shirt manufacturing in, in Germany, so I'd be getting boxes and boxes of Misfits yeah. merch, and you know, just all the punk bands that were yeah. touring Europe. I was getting washing machine boxes full of merch. Wow! Yeah, it was amazing, you know. And then I just, I don't know. One day I looked at it and said, "Fuck, I want a clean room." And I rang up Chris from Repress, you know. And I said, "Listen, I want to sell everything. I want to sell my distro." And he came and had a look, and he goes, "Look, times are tough. I'll think about it." And um. A few weeks later, the dollar crashed. Yeah. The dollar just went arsehole, arse you know. And I got a phone call from Chris. Do you want to sell it? 10 grand. And I said, mate, let's go. Because for him, he was importing records. It was going to be a tough gig for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had a heap of import shit. So he came and just bought it. Wow. I wonder what happened there, yeah. Yeah, liked it all out in a few hours. I had 10 grand to go to party. And that's, I think after that's when I started straight up, actually. I think... No, no, I've already done it then. That's right, because you've got a heap of that stock too. You must have, because you can still buy a Grim Reality CD yeah, yeah. on the street in Newtown. Yeah, no, you're right. I've seen it. <laughs> and then uh, and then I had a, a debacle, of course, of one of my shit-ass relationships that I had when I was an asshole through the years and um, broke out with some chick who I had a heap of records stored in her garage and she held him to ransom for six years, which, um, mate, it was a long time, six years. Got him back. Mate, there was some good shit there. All the straight-up records uh, stock was there. Um, and then I started kicking it off again, you know. Oh, this is years later. I started – I was doing body – actually, I was doing surf, a surfing yeah, clothing label. Swarm as well, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I was doing Swarm bodyboarding because I got right into it, you know. I'm sponsored some team riders and shit. And then I just thought, oh, you know, I'm going to do some records. And I think the first one I did with – because I was – I'd been about, I'd been away from the scene for about three years, just surfing. You know, stayed, moved to Cronulla. I had to get out of out of the joint because I was just too far on the piss, you know. And um, I was taking a lot of drugs and really paranoid. So I, um, I removed myself from the inner west, moved to Cronulla, and uh, mate, just changed my life. I won't go into that. And started thinking about bands again. You know, it started steamrolling, you know, I did the, the two parts you came out, Magnesite 7-inch, the Rock 7-inch. The fu- then, then I started the fuck-outs, that's right. And then that, that just steamrolled after that, you know. I mean, I was, going, I was going to shows again, having a start, having a good time. When you came back as the Inner City Uprising, did you, did you approach the label differently or were you, was it just business as usual? It, it's become a bit of a... a, a, a there's a bit of a goal now. There's been, there's, it ended up being a bit of a goal, you know. A, a little while there, I was just, it was just as usual, you know, just me being me, just I work a million miles an hour. I don't like stopping. Yep. If I stop, I fall asleep, you know. Yep. And I, I, I'm one of those guys that's just got to go, go, go. Um, I can't stop. I have noticed. <laughs> when I started doing that 13 bands in 13 weeks thing, yep. 
you know, usually I, I, I sort of fucked that up. You know, I should have made him a bit special and put maybe like a little 13 logo or something on him. And, you know, I don't, as I said, I don't do catalog numbers. I don't, I don't get into that shit like that. So I just didn't do it. And I got to the end of it and I thought, you know, fucking what? I'm going to do a release every week this year. Fuck it, you know? And I came home and told Christine, I'll go, we've done 13. I'm just going to keep it fucking rolling. And she's like, whatever you want to do, dear, you just do what you want to fucking do. Yeah. So it has overtaken my life this year. Um, it's been fun. It's unreal. I love it. I love putting out music, man. It's, it drives me, you know, I don't give a fuck. It's, it, I just love it. Yeah. Um, I'm so passionate about it. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know if I can stop. Uh, I mean, that's sort of the mode. But uh, look, there is plans this year. Look, once I get to the three or four more releases to go, um, I haven't kept count, but there's probably 60 I've done this year that because there's been a few double ups. Um, you know, it's all limited. It's all small runs these days. The business, you know, the business of selling CDs is over. It's not a business anymore, mate. You've got to do it for the love, you know. I don't go out and make 300, 500,000 or 1,000 copies of a CD anymore. You've seen what I do. I do 50 short runs. It's free downloads. It's more of a nostalgia thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's been cool. Bands want to get involved. You know, I've had a lot of old bands go, yeah, Jay, get me shit up there. You know, it's been cool. There's still plenty in the works, but come the new year, it is going to, it's possibly going to slow down. Look, I've just ordered a heap of CDs, a lot of small obscure bands uh, in shorter runs. So I'm waiting for them just to come in. But next year, I am going to concentrate more on vinyl. Um, I'm not going to let too much out of the bag. I'm working with another label called Bloody Oath Records in Queensland. Yep. Old, old mate of mine, um, Kieran, from used to be in an old straightest band called Nation of Hate from Melbourne back, back in the yep. day. Uh, we met by chance again uh, because I saw his label and bought some records off him. And the first release is going to be, it's already at the pressing plan, it's going to be the Magnus Site Safety in the Workplace LP, which is, wow. you know, it's been 20 years, to, in the, two, 20 years in the, in the waiting. You know, yeah, and it just happened. You know, all that drama. I had with Scott Harper years ago from the shop. I used to have it. I've ended up with the the master CD already mastered for vinyl. Wow, it's like kind of a sense of poetic justice around that in some way, isn't there? That yeah. Look, I've talked to Scott. I won't get into it here, but I've talked to Scott through the years. You know, he sorted some stuff out. He sent me some money that he owed me. It wasn't everything, but you know, he tried to make ends meet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I spoke to him a few months ago about this release, and he said, "Look, you just talk to the boys. I'm sweet." You know. So um, it's been good, yeah. It's mm. been right. But look, I'm pretty stoked about that. That is going to be like a killer LP. It was one of my favourites when it came out. It was, yep. again, I think it was a very life-changing moment in Melbourne, that and the Bean Flipper LP. Yep, yep. Uh, anyway, me and Kieran have got probably about eight LPs locked in. I think he works a bit like me. They could come out all in one go. <laughs> but I hope not because I don't think I've got the money to pay for it. But um. There's some killers, mate. I'm not. I'm not. We're not going to say too much yet, but yep, this year sure. it's going to be. Yep. Yeah, still plenty of little CDs on the way for smaller bands. I want to get some smaller bands up and coming. You know, yep. I like hearing band project bands that are never, no one else is ever going to hear, or little bands of young blokes sort of seeing garages and that. Oh, I like doing that shit. You know, even yeah. if no one buys it, the, the physical CDs with the downloads there, that's how it's going to run. You know. But it's not going to be as intense as like every week. Yeah, this year was pretty full on. So let's have another song. What's what? What else you got for us? Uh, look, it has to be an impact statement. Okay. Uh, a band I did with Con. Barco the world. A dear friend of mine on vocals. He's an amazing singer. So like, fuck. I wish we discovered it about twenty years ago. We would have been fucking traveling the world. And of course, it had our dear friend Dino who passed away this year on drums. Again, 
irreplaceable. We probably couldn't do that band again. Uh, the song's called Shutdown Mode. And, uh, I'm going to dedicate that to the year we've had. You know, it's been pretty fucked for a lot of people. You know, everyone's been locked up and shit. Sort of worked for me. I like being at home with my kids and doing my yep. shit. But I know for a lot of people it hurts. So, impact statement, shutdown mode. So coming back to, to 2020, so you're up to 60 releases, roughly probably going to be 60 releases, all limited run, as you said, and that was quite a deliberate kind of strategy. And also like the whole shutdown thing, you guys also organized some like live streams. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell us a bit about that. How did that come about and how did that go? Besides, I think a PA died. Oh, oh yeah, that was the second one. I looked the first I don't know, man, I just had enough, you know, like no shows and, you know, I don't traditionally do a lot of shows, but I'll put on two or three a year. I like to make them, you know, big ones, you know, like the Christmas one I did last year, which, you know, it isn't happening this year. It's been, it's hurtful. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm stinging. But yeah, there was a decision during the year and I said, you know, fuck it, I'm doing a show, you know, and I just wanted to make it a bit different. I'd, I'd seen a lot of um, uh, live streams and they just, you know, in between bands, it was dog shit, you know, and I said, no, 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 we'll put on a bit of a comedy act, we'll MC in between and, you know, we'll just be our dickhead selves and see how we go. And, uh, yeah, I think the first one was pretty good. It was well received. There's just heaps of people watched it after the fact. Yeah. Many people were really, like, yearning for something. Like, as you said, like, everything stopped and... Yeah, I think we did one at the right time. That one was a pretty, yeah, it was pre I was pretty stoked with that one. Look, then, by the time then we did the next one... I wasn't in the best headspace. I didn't really want to, on the day, you know, I was just like, I don't want to be here. It just, it happens, you know, I just, yeah, I yeah. just wasn't with it, you know, that day. And I said to other people around me, you know, this, everyone's so busy, you know, Luke from Kids of Skids, the poor bastard really puts his heart and soul into doing those all the behind the scenes mm -hmm. stuff, you know. And I was apologising to people going, oh, fuck, I can't be fucked, you know. And then, um, you yeah, know, there was a few issues with sound and, and stuff like that. Sort of, sort of, the wheels started falling off it, you know, and, um, is that the one Milat played? Yeah, and then, you know, Milat started playing and then we fucking, we're in there and we're going, what's that smell? <laughs> and we knew something was on fire and we're going, and I, I just keep going, just keep playing. We want to see flames. You know, that's what I was doing. I go, fuck, I hope we get flames. Keep playing, keep playing. And that you just couldn't off, you know. We've had that experience, Milat, a few times now playing live. We've blown a couple of PAs up. Yeah, I have heard that, and and my CD player actually. Um, oh yeah, it's no good, man. It's that that music's it's it's dangerous. <laughs> it's it's let's just say it's powerful. Yeah. Mm. So let's have another song. Hope it's not my light. No, no, I'm not going to play no light today. I, I yeah, I am actually later on down. Um, let's have the blurters beer and bile. Ah. I've got to have the blurs in there, mate. It's fucking, you know, it's been my life for a long time and I just love beer, the song Beer and Bar. It's just a good drinking song. Classic. 
uh, it has summed up my life to a T on every weekend or weekday that I was at the pub. Um, yeah, it's just a perfect, it just sums it all up. I, th- I think it sums up a lot of people's lives. Awesome. Should I sing it? <laughs> So you mentioned the bloaters, and one thing I noticed about your label is that that you don't have a roster of artists uh, as such. Other labels have, you know, besides maybe your own, you know, projects that you know yeah, they, yeah. they feature pretty heavily in there. That is that a deliberate, like, was that a deliberate decision from the outset? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm one of those dudes. That I'm so easy going about label shit. Like, um, I would never. Like, there's bands like Numskull. Like, if, you know, I've put a few releases out for them recently and it's always there on offer their mates. I love them. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and I just say, look, if you don't find anyone else to do it, I'll do it. You know, there's no... I don't have... A, I've never had a contract with a band. Uh, I never will. I don't know what the fuck that's all about. Um, I don't... If, you know, sometimes bands ring me and go, oh, look, we're, we're going to have this record coming out with you, but we've been asked to do it on this other label and, you know, we wouldn't mind going there. And I go, fuck, dude, for sure. That's, you know, I just don't care, you know. Not, I don't get offended from shit like that, you know. Some people go, oh, fuck, and they've done this and this. I'm cool. You know, if you guys want to, you know, that, or that some band will say, oh, yeah, we've released these two tracks on this pump, but we want to put them here. And it's like, dude, the more the merrier, pump it, you know. Get yourself out there. Yeah, it's like that. I don't know. I've never really... You know, I've put out a bit of, in the old days, I've put out a bit of floor defence stuff. I don't know. It's, it's just happened that way, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I like too much shit, you know? I like, I, one minute I'm listening to bands like Disrupt, the next day I'm listening to Social Distortion, the day after I'm listening to fucking Johnny Cash. I, 
yeah. or dance music, whatever, yeah. you know, White House or yeah. I, I like so much music. Have you ever said no to anyone? Maybe don't name the band, but I, I did wonder if you've ever, because you, uh, yeah, the repertoire is so wide. Dude, I get hammered with dog shit. <laughs> That's what it's strange. You know, and no offence, you know, because I know how hard it is to get a band going, yeah, yeah. you know? And if you're some band that's in the middle of fucking nowhere, it's even harder. And I get a lot of that shit, you know? Hey, here's our band. We're from fucking Wagga or Tamworth. No offence to those places. And you get it and I go, thanks, dude, awesome. I'll take a listen. Fuck, you know, fuck. And, and look, I put out rubbish in Some of my bands suck as well. It's not, it's, it's, I was actually having this conversation with someone today, you know? People go, oh, that band sucks. Well, okay, cool. You might think they suck. Someone else might enjoy them. You know, it's each, we're all got individual tastes, you know? Well, and I mean, you know, like your, the stuff that you've put out has been so wide and for so long that you're probably going to rub some people the wrong way at some point with that, you know, like it's not for everyone. Dude, I've had, uh, I have had a funny moment lately. Um, I put out a record by this band, Hasbro. Um, They're a weird noise band. I met them. The, it's a couple that I met here in, they're from Germany and they're stuck here from COVID. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're male and female, the female, the female is a beautiful woman, identifies as transgender. And, you know, they've got a bit of a message behind their stuff. You know, they're, they're pretty hardcore. Anyway, I did a write-up about them, uh, you know, when I was putting the record out. I actually had, <laughs> pretty four minutes. <laughs> I actually had a band write to me and say, listen, you got to take our shit off the fucking label. And I'm like, why? And they're going, look, there's certain bands you're affiliated with. I didn't think you would like that. And it's got to go. Oh, we've got to go. Wow. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck have I done wrong? And I'm thinking, I've done no right wing shit. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. And I won't name the band because I, I sorted it out with them. You know, we had a good chat about it. And, and you know, they weren't Nazis or anything like that. I wouldn't deal with any of that bullshit. Yeah. And they just said, look, we're sick of this left wing, the, the extreme left wing, you know, not, we're sick of this extreme left wing shit. That house brute band is too full on. And I gave them this, I told them the full spiel about it, you know, and we talked it out and I, I, I had to make sure that they weren't nasty synthesizers myself and that, because I don't want none of that shit. I'm going to go what you want. And it all got started, but it was just, it, it was just a reversed. Yeah, wow. Yeah. You know, it, it was just one of those things. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then in the same week, um, Malak got called, someone called Malak Nazi, Nazis online. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's fucking, that's sensible. And then um, someone sent me a sticker, a photo of a sticker in uh, Blacktown. A Malak sticker was out there and someone wrote, communist scum, or dude, I can't win. Green, white ring, I'm flapping around like a fucking bird. Yeah, I mean, and Malat, uh, you know, and maybe we'll talk about them a little bit later. I mean, they're deliberately out to, to produce a response in people, but that, that is an interesting one. 100%, mate. That's, that's what it's all about. But, but you know, we do that. We, I know you don't want to talk about it, but we, 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 you know, we do it in a punk rock way. We, it's, it's, you know, it's to make you think. One thing that I think is really, really interesting about, you know, what I'm, what I'm picking up about your label over time is that there's, there's been these kind of, like, shit fights that you've just ended up in, you know, the whole time. Dude, I played, I played in the Blurders, brother. <laughs> Say no more, you know. Yeah. Look, look I'll, I'll give it to you straight. And I listen to some of those Blurders records and I go, oh, fuck me. I understand why people get the shits. I understand why people are taking it the wrong way. When I sung in the Blurders, 
all those songs, there is a piece in there that has happened to me or I've lived there, regardless of what it is, whether it be that song Public Toilets, whether it be the song Fuck Off, you know, there's always a drama, but there's a part of it that there's a truth to it. Yep. And I always say, look, I've lived a life that I'm not going to talk myself up, but, you know, I've been putting myself in situations a lot of people wouldn't. Um, probably maybe because I've got mental issues, I'm not sure, but, you know, I've always lived life on a bit of an edge and things happen, mate. The record of that. Yeah. I, I don't live under a fucking rock. I don't live in it wrapped up in cotton wool. You know, I do a bit now. But, yeah, you know, I, I've copped it, mate, forever. You know, that. Yeah, yeah. But that's why these days I make a conscious effort I'm not going to go down that path. And I get it. You know, I'm a caseworker now. I've got responsibilities. Things have changed for me, you know. Mm-hmm. The climate's changed. Yeah. I'm no PC warrior, but I'm more open to things that I weren't before. Did and I probably, I probably was before then too, but I just like people pissing people off. <laughs> you know, I like, I like getting fucked up on drugs and pissing, pissing people off. There's no better fun. Yeah, I've noticed that too, mate. Yeah. All right, let's have another song. Uh, let me think about this one. Oh, no, this has to be... Sorry, man, I'm putting a Malachstock song in. God is Love. Um, great recording. It's one of the ones we did live in the studio, all of us together. We don't do that often. Usually yeah, we right. do it at home. Um, and we did it with a lot of... Uh, we were in a very anti-religious uh, mood that day, I must say, because usually we talk quite a bit. And it's, got, it's just really... Because every time you look at the newspaper, like every single day there is a new sex pest getting busted in Australia. Um, and I work, like I said, I work in a, uh, in a social work setting, mm-hmm. working with a lot of people from out of jail. And, you know, it's disgusting that how much of this country is built on pedophilia, mate. We have a pedophilia pandemic if fucking there's any pandemic in this country. And, mate, it's fucking horrible. So that song there was just a smashing of the Catholic Church. And, look, Malat, that's a constant theme for us, mate. We're going to we smash it. Like the new album, The Vatican is Rape, it's just... That, you know, that's all there is to it. That's our, that's our thoughts on the matter, mate. It's filth. Thank <laughs> you. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you that it's by your sovereign grace you have given us your word. And thank you for the power of your word that it divides between joint and marrow, soul and spirit. Thank you, Lord God.
raised up and be the saviour of the world. He would be full of the spirit of God, road, full of wisdom and understanding and power. He will judge with righteousness. I tell you that. So, you know, you mentioned earlier, and, and I did, I had a, I had a whole a question on, on 2020 because I think, you know, what you've, what you've been doing this year in terms of just churning out those releases is, um, is really interesting. And, um, and, you know, there's a lot of historic stuff, and I, I, I want to talk about that in a minute. But I'm wondering, just in, in practical terms, what's the commitment for you, like, weekly? Like, what does that look like for you? Bro, I, I, it's taken heaps of hours away from my family, you know. I spend out. There's days when the mail is so backed up. Like Christy would tell you, mate, there's days when, not all the time, but there's, there's like that one day a month where I've just got two weeks' worth of mail. Uh, something might have sold out. Two things might have sold out in a week, so there's like 60, 70, 80 parcels to do, yeah, sometimes 100. Plus, I do a lot of shit on eBay, and, mate, it's fucking... I'm, I put the whole house on edge. So it takes its toll, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, at the moment, I'm taking it a little bit more easy. I've purposely released a few things that I know will slow down. And there's, there's weeks where I'll go, you know what? I need a break. I'll release a Malat record. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then even they sell out the fuckers. But, um, yeah, it's taxing, man. It's been a taxing year. But still, sometimes I get into a rhythm and leave it, you know? And... You know, everyone knows that I send me mail out two weeks late. You know, that's all that I think they're gathering now through the year. So um, there's times when I do, you know, relax a little bit. Like I might not do, I might not pack mail every day now. I might do it every third, fourth day. Yeah. During COVID, I was doing a little bit more because I was home, working from home. So I do a bit of hours of work and then on the label. But yeah, it's taxing, man. It takes, you know, there's burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. You can see that from the outside that it would. Yeah, be it's hard, and you know, it's not, it's not just me. Like Christy, like I don't do social media because I just can't handle people. You know, I've never done good on social media, and I'm always getting in fights. You know, I've had all sorts of bullshit going down. I'm just not very good with around <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, so Christy does it all, you know, and she's mate. Yeah, she's a fucking trooper. You know, she's running the house all day. Wow. Basically, run the admin of the of the label, which you know, it's not nothing to sneeze about. I pack records, mate. That's the easy job. Mm. She takes a lot of orders, you know, and all that shit, and, and does shit, and it's it's mental, you know. And then and she's had to learn a lot of stuff along the way. Like I'll ring her and go, I'll do this now. You got to do it now. Fucking blah blah blah. And she does it. You know, it's it's heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a full blown partnership. Yeah, it's full on. Yeah, no, it's it's you know it's. I don't want to call it a business. I don't think it's a business as such, but it, it's a, still a hobby for me. You know, I love it, but there's a lot to it. You know, and there, you know, and there's times when it's been a financial burden at times. Like not everything sells out. Um, at the start, when it first started, and I was charging five bucks the CDs, man, I, I don't think I was making anything. You know, and I think I was. And some records were, you know, you'd make a hundred. You'd sell fucking 50 and I'm stuck with 50 and I haven't even broken even, you know. So it was a little bit tricky there. So we had to chuck them up a couple of bucks and I felt heaps bad about that. And, you know, it was only two bucks and I'm going, I was contemplating it for weeks. Fuck, do I put them up two bucks? Like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it had to happen. It's just like that's some serious commitment to making that like affordable and, and to that. Oh, well, CDs suck now, you know. That, let's put it, but the people, like I said before, people don't buy the sort of volumes of music, so I had to make it appealing. It was a sort of reinvention of the whole label, you know. I wanted to keep it going, but I wasn't in a position to just, like, imagine doing, you know, 52, 7 inches in a year. Fuck me, dead. I have to sell me house. I have to sell me ass. Like, yeah. you know, and I'd be fucked. So, 
you know, it was that it was that conscious effort to really. We sat and reinvented the whole label, you know, yeah. and, and bit by bit. The first few releases, we, you know, it wasn't really ticking all the boxes, you know. But now we've got that, you know, that it's weird, but it's cool that DVD packaging, you know. And people, it seemed to work, so people kept buying it, you know. So we've run with that packaging. It's cheaper to to produce than that. It's lighter to post, you know, just all those little things to make it affordable for people. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and no one's got bucks anymore to throw heaps and at music, you know, and I'm really grateful because I've got a heap of I've got a heap of clientele that, I, that they buy every single thing I do. I'm humbled for that too. You know, it's it's yeah. cool that people still doing it, and the, and the downloads are huge, like the free downloads. Yeah, that's um, it. tell me about that because everything you kind of you do, you put out is basically available for free download, no questions asked. Because it, it, it's because you know I don't like I don't do like again I don't do contracts with labels uh, with uh, sorry with labels with bands. Yeah. And you know it's their shit. You know, and plus it's too much headache if I started having to look after royalties and that. It's just a headache. So, free download, seven dollars for a CD. I make fifty of them. Usually the band gets either fifteen to twenty of them anyway. So you know I only get thirty, thirty-five for myself. Uh, that's that, that's the break-even mark for everyone. And uh, the only thing I charge on is when I do vinyl. Like if I do a vinyl, you know, I ask for three or four bucks because usually the vinyl. It'll sit around. Some of it sells quickly. Yeah, yeah. Some of it sits around. You know, it'll sell out, but it might take five years to sell out, yeah, and that's yeah. a lot of money to outlay. You yeah, know, investment from the from the get go. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the that's the only reason. Well, and I think you know, I mean, to to be fair, you know, um, you're still selling it a lot cheaper than some other places. So, you know, and and I mean, you're you're trying to do what you got to do. So I think that's a fair call. You just yeah. do it. Look, it has it, it's made it through the year. You know what I mean? It's been the case of win some, lose some. Some haven't paid themselves off, some have, but it's, we, we, we're managing this hit going. The beauty of it is, is that being that many releases, it's quite, it's, you know, it's a small commitment by me to, if something doesn't make money that week, I, I need to throw a small amount of money to get the next one going. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it took a bit of planning, you know, like I said, and, but yeah, it's, I think we've got a good rhythm going on now. And and like one of, one of the things that I noticed as well, and you did mention it a little bit earlier, is that there's been like almost an archival quality to some of those releases. You know, tell me about that. Like, is that? Oh, definitely. Like, you know, think like there's a million records out there I still want to put out. You know, and I'm still talking to people. You know, every second day. It's it's I've tapered off a bit now because I've in my head I am going to have a bit of a break in January. But you know, there was things like the Nobody's Victim. You know, oh, yeah. which is a, quite. A, Really, it's an odd release, you know. Potentially, you know, meaningful to you that one. Loved it, you know. Potentially, ninety-nine percent of people on the website never heard of it, but it was just one of those things. I remember being a young kid, and I can't remember where I bought the zine from. But it was called Palliative Treatment. Mate, it must have come out in eighty-six or something like that, you know. I bought it because had a G.G. Allen video, uh, G.G. Allen um, interview in it, you know, and it was an Australian zine from Melbourne. Yeah, so I bought it. I remember I was in it. I was staying at my nan's at the time. It was Christmas holidays. Oh, man, I might have been 16, 15 years old when that came out. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think it came out much later than that. And um, I, I've had, I've still got that zine. That's on my work desk at the moment. I, I, I read it religiously. The first thing I ever bought, still got it. Wow. And there was always that those bands in it, the Utter Stench, um, uh, No Fraud, you know, Vicious Circle, all that early Melbourne yeah, shit, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, the yeah, artist, yeah. Tim Dogness was the artist, he was a mad artist, uh, had a lot of the, the Reactor Records yeah. stuff, you know, Depression, Gash, 
had a little bit of hard ons, mass appeal, you know, that sort of stuff. But it, this, it was a GGL and I just heard about GGL and didn't know nothing about him. I read it. Mate, it's a fucking brutal interview. I actually reproduced it years and years later in a um, Xenon did called Straight Up. You know, he talks about it's his first marriage. He talks about coming home from shows and pulling, you know, being covered in piss and shit and pulling out bits of glass out of him. And his wife at the time was really straight and said, what the fuck is this, you know? It was like the birth of J.J. Allen interview, you know? Yeah, wow. Um, still, a, he was still ruthless, you know. He at the, at the end, he was saying stuff. Oh, I love sniffing young girls' panties and all that bullshit that he goes on with. But um, you know, I've just kept that. And, and nobody's victim just had an awesome interview in it, you know. And it always resonated with me. And, um, you know, I'd heard that shit through the years. It was hard to track down, you know. I just maybe, started talking to Ross. Eighty six or something, yeah. yeah. Something. And yeah. I, I got the zine out because I've always gone to this zine, and I've always picked pieces out of it through the years. I've you know, I've used bits of art out of it for things and photocopied and that. And then I was just like, wow, that's a band I'm going to hook up with, you know. And I got in touch with Ross and he was all for it, you know. And that, to me, that was like, uh, it sold out, which is really cool, you know. And yeah. it just felt like that that was really nostalgic, you know. And that was a history lesson as yeah. such, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, not that I call myself a teacher or anything, but it just felt good to, to, to put that out and let kids hear it and, Man, lots of different people bought it, you know. I thought it was great, you know. And it's, it's, it's political, female-fronted, you know. It had all that stuff going for it. And I think a very overrated record. Mm, absolutely. Uh, underrated, sorry. Underrated record. And it would have just been left on the pile. Yeah, yeah. You know? There's plenty of that stuff around that I want to dig up. Um, yeah, yeah. Opens it up to, like, a whole new generation. Like, you know, that's 30 years ago. And, um, yeah, yeah, and totally. Kind of, you know, you've breathed breathe some life into that now that now it's yeah. free download people can get it you know like it's not sitting in some collector's kind of yeah and, and that's what the band was about you know the guys that i talked to i was talking to ross who was one of the guys in the band and they were just so so awesome about it you know so happy that it's it's getting out there and you know they they, they talked about it through the years and said oh let's remaster it and shit nothing ever happened you know and this day and age, the old master tapes don't go too well. You know, you need to bake the, you have to bake those tapes in an oven to actually use them one more time. Those reel to reels these well, days, they yeah, fall, yeah, well. fall apart and the oxide comes off. You know, there's plenty. Like I had, um, I had some subversion tapes that I got inherited from the Scott Harper debacle. There's nothing you can do with them. You know, they're they're, they're gone. They're, you know, you need to bake them. Subversion it's a tape away. Yeah, yeah, it's an expensive. It's an expensive process to bring them back to life. Which is a bit of a shame because some bands that I want to do, I, yeah. Look, I, I, there's I've got some stuff planned. I've got a Deviant Kickback CDs getting worked on. Old Sydney band they did do two recordings. The recordings are long, long lost. Um, I've been trying to track it down seriously for at least ten years, like just wow. for myself. I found one the other day. Jody from Unclean had one at his house, and just out of the blue, said, "Oh look, what I found." Wow. Handed it to me. I said, "You're fucking kidding me." He goes, "I don't know if that's it." take it home and find out and it was look lo-fi i try to resurrect it it sounds pretty crappy but um it's got to come out you know it's, yeah. it, it, that's all there is you know yeah. um what else was there uh warp spasm i'm trying to do a warp spasm wow. cd again there's a couple of good tracks that were recorded put on cd but the majority of the demo tapes the band don't have them you know someone has found a death tape on the northern beaches grant from hostile objects he's posted me one but wow. we don't know what's on it yeah, right. You know, it's, it's like fun. there's like some serious, like almost um, 
like oral archaeology around this kind of stuff, you know, like Man, I'm digging. I'm, I'm digging. I've got people digging too. I've got people everywhere digging. That's great. Yeah, I did wonder, like I, I wondered like how you were getting all of that material. Like, you know, for, for uh, this part of like, you know, thirty years worth of stuff you've put out just this year alone, like the deathless stuff and Yeah, that's sick. You know, that that you know, that them guys there too, they were awesome. They they loved it. You know, they 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 know I was only a small label and only going to do a few copies. You know, if they pushed it, they probably could have done a bit more. Um, and they've been really, really cool, you know, really cool. Another thing I'm doing lately that we're working on is Casualty. They're an old band from New Zealand that moved to Sydney back around about probably early 90s, I think. I'm not entirely sure, but I used to be, yeah, because I was in a high school band and my first of a punk band that I was in, we played with them. And so they've always been... A, Yep. Sort of friends, friends we made acquaintances and plus always been a band that I love, you know. So we're working on that. Again, we've had to do some transfers from the LP. Wow. Um, but they're getting Chris, who uh, plays guitar and has got his own studio, so he's touching them up a bit for me wow. to make the quality a bit better. So We're going to do two songs. Um, can I choose one? <laughs> I think... Um, it's, yeah, this is like my podcast. So I'm asking you permission to choose a song. Pay for it, brother. I trust you, Marsh. You've got good taste. Well, actually, like, what I... Well, the song that I'm going to choose is actually Go For Self by Draw. Oh. And it's the first song of your first release. <laughs> and we're going to play it with the sample <laughs> at the start. Um, Makes me want to get my um, backpack on. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it brings back that 90s feel, absolutely. But What a great band. Just that, that release. You know, and everything's yeah. on it from, as you said before, from drawbacks to forward defense to, you know, all out. Uh, yeah, there's heaps on that. Yeah. Silence. It was. Oh, I can't, I get, I get the two mixed, the one and two, but. Yeah, I, I, I pulled yeah. that release out and put it in the car in the last couple of days in anticipation of this, this chat. And like, it, it genuinely feels like that CD is a part of my DNA. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it's, it's the DNA of the label, mate. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and I played that thing to death. Like, you think the covers were plain when you put them out, man? Mine's, mine's trashed. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You be careful with the folded out, well, you know, A5 bit of paper because it's. Oh, no, they're fucked. Yeah, mine too. I just loved on that thing so much and it became like a window for me into all of that. Like, I think that was probably the, the vehicle to spiral objective and, and a lot of that kind of stuff. So yeah, drawback, um, go for self. Go for self, what a band. So what are you going to choose? Uh, I was going to choose a, a new one, a new hardcore band, another one I'm doing with Con. So I've got this big thing there, you know, I taught myself a few power chords a few years ago. Now I'm calling myself a guitar player. I really enjoy it, you know, because I hate fucking singing. I can't sing. So it's all about playing guitar. And, I'm, you know, I've got this band going with the wife now, Excessive Force. Force yep. And I love it. You know, it's fucking eight songs in six minutes. It's fast. It's brutal. And the lyrics are fucking a madman. Excessive Force repeat button. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area.
those comps like you know from from the original from those those first couple of releases call it what you want all the way through the time to pay up comps and there was like maybe was there like 12 of those uh nine i think nine okay nine. um like you said you you but we don't trust you because you're not in that you're not in the numbers anyway oh, no there's nine because the tenth one the tenth one's next i remember that one okay right um, so yeah, the time to pay up, you know, and and, and even like now the the fucking noise LP. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me about comps. Why? What is it about comps? You seem to have this thing about comps that other labels often don't. Oh look, it's because usually I, I do a comp because I, I've got a band that I want to go on a, on a record with other bands. You know what I mean? Like the noise ones, especially yeah, the noise, the noise ones. Like I know a lot of people aren't into it, but like. Some of the noise acts we get are, 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 are the bees knees in the world, you know. We've done splits with um, Malak's done splits with Vermeer, who's like, yeah. you know, a French guru of noise from the nineties. Um, you know, we've been on uh, records with the Haters, which is like, you know, the Godfathers of noise. And you know, uh, I've done a personal split with Black Leather Jesus, another influential noise guru. Even Torturing Nurse and, and yeah, man, that, that, they're, they're, they're well, yeah, they're, they're guru, they're, they're legends, you know, like. Government Alpha, like yeah. fuck me, you know. So that's a different that's a different thing altogether. Now there, that's a scene where even the legends are accessible. You know, I can't ring up Parkway Drive and say, "Hey, dude, let's do an excessive force split." Yeah. That's how you get fucked. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I write the government, you know, Yoshi in Japan and say, "Hey, dude, you want to do a split Government Alpha?" I guess fuck, dude. Give me a cut off that. I'll send you some tracks. Yeah, wow. Um, so you know, I know I always named high for that noise stuff. I knew that when I was going to do it. I just didn't want to be another noise band doing fucking, you know, whatever. There's a million noise bands. Yeah. Anyone can do it. You, you can, you fucking clap your hands. You're a fucking noise band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a really hard but, thing to like pinpoint and and like it's it seems on some level really like a simple thing. Like anyone can make noise, but there but there is there is a real art to that. And and the yeah. thing well, it's tricky, you know. The, 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 the thing about the noise is, like I'm in so many noise acts at the moment, but the challenge is that they, they need to be different. You know, I don't want to churn out 50 fucking records of three different, a million different bands, and, then, and you just go, oh, it's just a matter of a different vocalist. It's not going to happen, you know. I've got to put a lot of thought into, there's times when I wake up in the middle of the night and go, right, tomorrow I need to get that synthesizer, that synthesizer, that one. And this is how I'm going to do it. These are the these are this is how I'm going to patch it together and what effects I'm going to use. And hopefully, what I'm thinking in my head might come off. It's a lot of it is experimental. I'm not a keyboard player. I'm not a synthesizer player. But I get get the thought in my head, and then I'll just play with it for an hour or two until I get that. Usually, it's just the sound I want at the start of the record. The rest of it is just power. Goes from there. Yeah. So it's tricky. Yeah. And others, you know, that's why we did that uh, sonic disturbance. And like it wouldn't mean a lot. It would mean fuck all the punks, you know. But on that on that record is uh, Tone Generator from SPK, yep. Who was you know SPK, the Godfathers of all noise in, in the world, as far as I'm concerned. They're from the set. They started in the late seventies in Sydney. Um, you know they're, they're most one of the most influential bands, and for us they're legend. They're total legends. You know I got to hang out with Tone the other day and talk shit. You know and I, I, I was starstruck. You know, he's just yeah, a cool dude. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we had John Murphy, uh, another guy who, you know, he's been around the traps. He He's an influential drummer that's played in anything from Death in June, SBK. He's played with, uh, I think he's even played with Michael Hutchins in Max Q. Like he's, yeah, wow. 
He's yeah. just he's just a talented muser. That's an underground muser, you know. Yeah. He, he's died recently, the poor guy, but he's and he probably died without a penny to his name. But he just did what he did. He chased weird and wonderful music his whole life, and he's got a um, his wife, I think, ex, his uh, widow, gave us a uh, a track that never been released before. You know, so there's things on there that were and Browning Mummery, another guy from Mel, um, Queensland. They're all legends of people. You know, yeah. we, we don't, you don't know about him. You know, so that, that to me, that's an, another kettle of fish. But um, punk wise, yeah, I'm proud of that too, Jay. I love it, man. It, to me, you know, it's, it's. I'm starstruck from it. Number one, I'm a fan. Look, I'm a music fan. And that, that's all there is to it. But I also like paying them respect. You know, like people like Tone Generator. Like, you know, he's dedicated his life to making weird and wonderful fucking noise and visual. But those, good, and you know, and you know, government alpha and tort, junkie from torturing nurse, he's a legend. I talk to him all the time. Those guys, you know, that's what they do, you know. And then they're, they're never going to fill a stadium, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. Tone's got a legacy, yeah, cool, but it doesn't pay his rent, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. So, in a way, it's sort of again a history lesson for kids to hear. And yeah, look, I lean more towards the noise out if I. I you know, Christy pulled me up once and said, dude, you're putting out too much noise. No one's liking the posts on Facebook anymore. You're alienating everyone. And I'm for, but so I had to sort of bring it back and mix it up, yeah, yeah. you know, cause I've got a million projects on the go, some crazy shit, lots of shit coming out, but there's only so many people into it, you know? And I think like, that's, that's part of the reason. And, and we're going to have, we're going to have another song in a second, but I think that's part of the reason that, that um that i wanted to do this podcast as well is that like oftentimes when you think about people that run labels they're generally like my experience of, of talking to a bunch of them already has been that they are really generally people who like a lot of a lot of the label guys and girls don't like the limelight you know they're happy to kind of do their thing and 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 yet the choices that they make are like massively influential and kind of ripple effect out into all sorts of stuff because you know this yeah. band getting this publicity here you know inspires this band here like even things like you know think about that the, the call it whatever you want comps like so many of people that were on that went off and then played in all of these other bands that led yeah yeah that, that, that i think legitimately like led to parkway drive yeah, probably. I look. I think. I think. I. I don't. Don't quote me on this, but I think I might have even booked the first Parkway Drive gig in Sydney, but by by not by choice. I think Graham rang me up once and asked me to put him on a gig. I think it was their first time in Sydney. I'm not sure because I had a big gig on. He goes, Parkway Drive's coming, and they can't go against his show. I'm like, who the fuck are they? And I put him on. That was cool, you know. Well, the guitarist, I forget him. He used to buy all the shit off me, you know. I remember. Is it Kurt? No, I don't know. One of the guitarists from Parkway Drive was really into buying all my stuff and I traded with him, you know, as well. So, they, you know, they've got a history as well, those guys. And good luck to them, you know. Yeah. They're making zillions of dollars. I don't get it. I don't get it. That that sort of music isn't hardcore to me. I just don't get it. Yeah. Um, it seems like some sort of bad metal to me. Like, and I love metal, you know. Fucking give me Exodus, fucking Black Sabbath, Slayer any day. But... Yeah, good luck to him, you know. Well, I think they're, 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 they're a logical extension of some of this stuff that, that often is... In a way, they, they have come from it, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's been made by people that, like, you know... And, and, and let's not make it too much about Parkway Drive, 
But yeah. it's about that idea that like the, the standard Parkway Drive fan would walk past someone else on the street and maybe not be able to make those links. Yeah, 100%. But I will give it to Parkway Drive. I've, I don't listen to their music at all. Can't stand it, but I watch the docos, right? Yeah. And the docos, I give them full props. Oh, man. You know? yeah, absolutely. They're, they're dudes. They don't give them fuck. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And that they're like, you know, I can barely keep a day-to-day job. These dudes are doing it weekend. Mate, if you... I wouldn't trade my life to be in a band like that ever. Number one, I'd do too much coke on the first tour and probably fucking die. But, you know, they've put a lifetime of touring. That is a fucking commitment. Like Graham, like absolutely. I said, we used to bag Graham, but it's a commitment, mate. Absolutely, four o'clock in the morning. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And, I, and I appreciate that commitment. That is, that is a long-term fucking commitment. Six months, eight months, 12 months on the road away from your kids. Fuck that. Yeah, and I guess that, that, that's the thing. It's that, like, it's that four o'clock in the morning waiting for a fax and making this decision and not yeah. this that, that changes the course of music in some way. You know, in a way, it, it's a form... To me, something like that is almost like kindergarten jail. You know, it's almost like institutionalising yourself. To, I, I just couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They might have million-dollar houses in Byron Bay, and I'd love to have that, but I don't, I'm lazy. Yeah, yeah. I like to cruise through life. I don't need to work that hard. You sound, you sound like like far from lazy. But anyway, give us another song. <laughs> oh, fuck. I have to give you one. That's fucked. To the party. T-R-G, you are scum. Yeah. I'm just going to say these words. One of the first ever true punk bands I ever saw. I saw the hard-ons. I saw Mass Appeal. I saw all that shit. All that waterfront-based stuff. Mass Appeal, fucking amazing. I loved hard-ons back in the day when Kesh was a singer. To the party, I turned up to their gig. Uh, I was in a school band called Distorted Reality, and we were going to play with them at the Punks Picnic, um, our first show in the city. We were all barring up, you know. We get there, we're in flannels, we're in jeans, we're, we're that grunge era kids of punk, you know. We walk around the Punks Picnic, and I fucking near shit myself. It was a proper old school Punks Picnic, you know. Plenty of metalheads, plenty of punks, you know, and I was like, oh, fuck. You know, never seen that many Mohawks in one spot. I yeah, still yeah, yeah. Those from it. What's two to party play? No one can touch them. No one's ever touched them for me. No one's been so vicious. No one's been so ferocious. No one's been so political. And there's never been a guitar sound in Sydney close to it. They were, for me, that they're, they're, they're the greatest punk band. Toe to Toe is my favourite all-time punk band. Toe to Toe and the Meanies are my two favourite all-time Aussie bands. But... Two to party are the best punk band I've seen, if that makes sense. I've never seen anything like it, mate. They, they lived, they were gutter punks, you know. They they lived what they were talking about, you know. They were anti, you know, this authority establishment, blah, blah, blah. They were intense, mate. They were fucking intense. And you put out a couple of their records. Yeah, yeah, there's been some controversy around it. I had a bit of grief because, you know, it was hard to get in touch with all the band members. I was given a permission by Billy before he passed away many years ago to do it and I'd heard he'd also give permission to clean and there'd been, you know, there's, when it came out, some other band members and arced up, there'd been a bit of a debacle about the whole thing and it got put on ice for a while but yeah, it's been sorted now so yeah, it's, it's been cool. Look, it was always done as a history thing. For me, that record it just truly, truly put out by respect. You know, I've still got lips in the garage, you know. At one stage, one of the band members was going, oh, fuck, you must be making thousands. And I'm like, well, I probably spent 8000 on the release and I've probably got fucking half of it still in the garage. Yeah, wow. Well, but it's one of those things, mate, you know, it, it had to come out. It, it is a fucking Australian punk rock. And pe- for people that haven't heard it, you need to get it. You know, 
these were true punk rockers, you know, from, you know, Mohawk, you know, just because I had Mohawk, whatever, but these guys were the living punk. Tita Party, TRG, you are scum. in there as well you mentioned before about like you know like you, you know investing this much money and probably only getting this much back in your experience like what's been the biggest like misconception that people have had about like running a record label like what have you encountered that makes you oh, mate, I, 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 mate, I, I even copped it last week you know i get it <laughs> i've got guys in bands on with that sometimes say oh fuck i've never seen a stent <laughs> and it's like yeah okay cool but um you know, and, 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 and look, I, I sometimes there's guys, like, I'll put out records in bands where we all chuck in. You know, by the time my hours go into it, by the time fucking, you know, I give away a fuckload of promo and just reinvest, you know, look, I, I do shit like, you know, I'm one of those guys that loves slapping stickers everywhere. You know, I, I've made thousands of my stickers, probably about 3,000. Yeah. You know, spent yeah. two grand on stickers. You know what I mean? Just to put up in the street. I don't get nothing out of it. Um, I love merch, you know. I'll go and buy, again, my lax stuff. Badges. Go and make those badges. I sold half of them. Yeah, cool. I haven't quite got my money back yet. Might take me another year or two. It's just that shit, you know. It's, it, it's, I'm always forward thinking. Yeah. I know it's going to sell out at one stage. Look, I've still been half, still got some stuff from 20 years ago in the garage. You know, it clicks, it ticks over. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's a long-term investment. And then and there's still things I put out for the love. You know, the, the Malat album, 12-inch, that was, you know, that was going on a fun, that was a risky operation. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Get rid of all of them? Yeah, yeah, still got a few. Yeah, still got a few. Um, you know, probably just broken even now or just off it, you know, maybe three or four or five records off breaking even. And that, yeah. and that's, for me, that's a win, yeah. you know. That's enough to put into the next one. But, yeah, look, I'm not fucking... Um, I'm not fucking living the fuck. I'm not, you know, I'm not in fucking Louis Vuitton or fucking. And I've always had a day job. You know, I was 21 years at Qantas as an engineer. It was a well-paid job. Probably did the same amount of time dealing drugs, unfortunately. You know, and I'm a hustler. I, I hustle, mate. Yeah. Yes. I'm always on the hustle. That's very That's very <laughs> Yeah. So tell me, like, has there been like just in in the history, like, of all of this stuff, has there ever been something that you wished you could have put out, but just you were there at the time, but you just didn't put it out, or you couldn't put it out, or is there oh, all the Parkway Drive records, of course. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh look, I, I, I would have loved to put out a, a, a solid release for Toe to Toe. You know, they're always just, yeah, you know, they're mates, one of my favourite band. You know, but they always had labels. You know, me and Con got to put out the uh, Fighting Pride Live one. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's a bit 50-50, but, you know, it was just one of those things. Uh, oh, actually, I did get to do the toe-to-toe mind snare. Yeah, the 12-inch. So, yep. fuck, really, when I think of it, I've, I've worked with a, a lot of bands, you know. But I've probably had more Aussie bands on my label than any other label in Australia, really, if you count comps. Like, yeah, you know, that, that's a bit Hands pushing down. shit uphill. But, yeah. yeah, I probably have, you know. So, you know, I've got Parkway Drive and Day of Contempt and shit like that on comps, you know. Um, uh, I Kill the Prom Queen, Blood Duster. Um but no, any particular record, the AVO, domestic violence record, like there was a little bit little bit of a time there where uh, I think Boogs from Viper Deathlock was going to put it out. Yep. He got a bit scared of the front cover, apparently, said, and decided not to. And I was sort of a little bit gutted about that one. I really, you know, they were, you know but I get it, you know. Boogs had a label that was pumping, you know. I've always been low-key. I don't yep. make too much fuss. I, I, you know, I get it as them, but when when I got offered to me, man, I jumped on that shit. You know, the AVOs, fucking, they're brothers, and they, they that that record's killer. Mm. You know, that's that's another record that you know everyone needs to have that AVO CD in their collection. That's fucking brutality. Brutal cover. Yeah, but there's nothing I've really, nothing that comes to mind that I've gone, oh fuck, I wish I did that or didn't do that. You know, there's record. Yeah, I've like I said, there's other bands that. We're on big labels. That, that would have been cool to do, you know, whatever. But, you know, but, like, you know, I'd love to do a Cosmic Psychos record. Or I'd love to do a Meanings record, but maybe not so much now. I would have liked to put something old out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. But, so speaking of old, mate, like, you know, you're you're old enough to have kids now and, and stuff. Well, how do they, like, well, how do they understand dad's world and, and, and... Mate, I was old enough to have kids 40 years ago, brother. <laughs> I'm an old timer, mate. My kids are young; they're only two and three. Right. But um, you know, we've caught them singing bad shit. You know, like um, I forget what song. Oh, there's a, there, because you know we played punk in the car, you know, and then one day we started with the little one, three-year-old Cody started singing shit, and I'm angry about this. Is that's no good? Fucking, we're going. All right, that song's bad. That's it. Next, and um, there's a couple of impact statement songs. Where he sings the chorus, you know. 
I don't know if I'm, I don't know if they're going to grow up to be punk rockers. Who, who knows in this world, this day and age, I just push them in whatever direction they want to go themselves. But um, there's plenty of it around, yeah. and they're always seen. They've been on plenty of noise records. Certainly, um, you've created a, a wide field for them to kind of explore yeah. in terms of. I've got it right here because you're in my studio. My, I've got the, I, I built this thing. It's just a camo box of all springs and it's all mic'd up, and that's the Malat. That's the Malat. And um, mate, my two-year-old Harley, yeah, he loves fucking playing this, mate. Taught him, you know, to hit the delay button when I need to hit it. I go, I tap him on the head and he hits it. Training him well, but he loves playing with that. Yeah. If I'm playing it, he's played it. He's probably been on three or four Malat records. This is this is where this is where Malat the collective turns into Malat the cult, and you yeah, just growing, yeah. growing generations of that. Yeah, they've actually we've actually put us. There was a hidden track on the Sonic Disturbance Noise record. It's um, there's a hidden track on it. It's actually with kids fucking around with all this shit. It's called Feral Child. I don't think I'd put it. I didn't mark it on the CD, but it's been marked. It's on the band cam. Wow. But it's actually them all fucking around, you know. I've got a uh, really early footage of Cody, my uh, three-year-old, when he was probably one, sitting around with my synthesizers as a sequencer, actually, and it's all got lights and, you know, he's just sitting around going, oh, and it's just, it's, this thing's buzzing and making shit noise at him and he's loving it. It's like, it's like a toy, you know. Yes. They are toys. Yeah. And, and it should be fun. Um, all right, we, we must have like at least one or two songs left. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, toe to toe, slap of reality. Ah, nice. Killer. killer. Absolute pit, pit starter. You know, seen plenty of punch ups during this song. Amazing song, amazing band that, you know, I've loved all generations of toe to toe right up until last album. Actually, I think some of their, their two Gadu, Gadu album is probably, mate, that's up there with any sick of it all, agnostic front bad boy. To me, that's a world-class hardcore record. But, you know, that's when they started to fall apart at the seams or something was going on and didn't really get pushed. And they leave an ama amazing legacy. I like all the early shit, Threats and Facts. That ruined our lives, Threats and Facts. Too good. Toe-to-toe, slap of reality. This is uh, another really old one. It's called Slap of Reality. Yeah, yeah. 
so I've only got a couple of questions left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you've kind of peppered this whole interview's been peppered with some of this stuff. You know, yeah. I go on tangents, mate. I'm all over the shop. No, no, it's good. It's good. Like you covered a lot of the stuff that I really kind of wanted to get to. Um, like you know, label highlights. Like what comes to mind for you? Thinking back over like 20 years, 20 plus years. Oh, all sorts of things. Sometimes some of the shows they've put on, we've been involved with. I think. And look, I get, I get, I get um, amazed and inspired by things that happen to me even like now. You know what I mean? Planning next year, these LPs I've got coming. That's going to be a huge year next year. I'm stinging to put these LPs out. I'm stinging to tell people what they are, but we we made a conscious effort to keep them on hold. Um, yeah, that show we did last year at um, the label put on that show at the uh, Hampshire, the Christmas fuck Christmas yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking awesome. Best cut of all show that we did yeah, at. Um, yeah. Monster Mouse, that was awesome. You know, the guys at Monster Mouse, that Carissa and and, and Jace, they were awesome. Let us have their, you know, they were a bit, bit weren't sure, you know, if how it would go. And it was fucking awesome, you know. It was a good, good to see so many different types of bands. I, I grew up in the area like and like you did too, you know, mixed bills. You know, Sean Nagsville put on the best fucking mixed bills you could oh, ever do. Absolutely. You know, hardcore '97, hardcore this, hardcore that, um, Street Assault, you know, all those ones. And and we grew up on that, you know. Party vibe, no get fucks given. Straight edges next to fucking drunk crust punks, all different bands playing, and that's how I, and that's how I love it. You know, yeah, yeah. everything's got to be a party. That's that's why I need to do a few choice shows and, and make them big. Um, and that and, sounds like your label, actually. Now that I think about it, you know, like it is that like you've got like a noise thing happening here, and you've got like a more yeah, it's a, it, up it, thing happening it here. Party. I want to bring them all together. Yeah, absolutely. Like, don't worry, I'm thinking of ways to have a half noise, half punk, you know, stuff like and, and and you know, there's label highlights along the way, you know, like I said, putting out nobody's victim. Uh, Wall Street Cop Calls for me was a massive highlight this year. Yeah, wow. I love those guys. I love John Stewart, the uh, the singer. He's always been a good mate. You know, I text him fucking weekly. Um, I've always thought that they're again another underrated band that was just they were Aussie as fuck. There is no they just Australian. You know, they're going to have no gimmick from any other country. But so sing about Aussie really stuff. And, yeah, they're, you know. So this is, and through the years, you know, I got to do the Arms Reach for Defence clip. Um, that it's huge, you know, Arms Reach, like fuck hands down. What a hardcore band. Yeah. You know, Luke Crew, amazing singer, amazing dude, did heaps, you know. There's always, you know, even when I did those um, True Till Death comps, when I, when I, you know, I look back and think, fuck, I gave way to that hardcore shit, you know? I had, I killed the prom queen. I had fucking day of contempt on them, you know? But at the time, I really liked them. Yeah. Right? I liked day of contempt. Like, they blew me away. That first fucking album, bang, smashed me. Shot point blank. Oh. Yeah. I, like, I, I do like hardcore, that, and I love metal, you know? So that, that shot point blank to me was fucking brutal. Force fed nine. Then force fed nine from Adelaide. Oh, dude. Yeah. You know, that sort of shit. So... There's been plenty of too many highlights along the way. Too many, too yeah, many. Cool. I mean, you know, and 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 that's just because you're a bodyboarder, man. You're just full of stoke, like everything. <laughs> so, have you got another song? Because if you don't, I think you're picking the next two, brother. Choose an arms reach song. Uh, the siege cover that they did, man. I just, I just liked it. Yeah. Yep. Um, talented band, man. But you know. I had plenty of run-ins with them as well, you know. I always used to like antagonising um, that crew, but 
but um, that was still always cool to me. You know, there was, I actually really liked them, you know, <laughs> as, yeah. as much as what people thought. But um, yeah, no, awesome band. You know, some of those shows at the Black Box when you'd walk in and there'd be 250, oh. crew would have 250 kids at his beck and call doing, bang, you're doing this move now. Now you like, I'd sit up the back and watch it and go, fuck me, this is like, it's like a cult. And you know what? There's never been nothing like it. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing is pure. You know, Luke Crew had a connection with the crowd that no other front man has ever had. Yeah. Maybe Link Meany. Yep. But th that's it for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Those two, Link Meany used to just, you know, you go to the Nation Club and watch the meetings and you just go, oh my God, what the fuck was that? That was amazing. There was something vital about that in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Luke, Luke Crew, I think 97, I think it was. Super Bowl 97. Was that Arms Reach? I'm not sure. That might have been Pitfall. That, that would have been Pitfall. Arms Reach was... Yeah, later, wasn't it? Yeah. 99. Yeah, I forget. There was one There was one time down there. I know I took too much acid. I know that. I remember that. I, I wanted to run home from Newcastle. They had to hold me down and put me in the car. I was fucked up. Um, everyone was talking in tongues to me all night. Didn't hear a word anyone said. But I remember Arms Reach were brutal. Yeah, and, and I was doing merch, and 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 I was getting hammered at the back. Yeah, yeah, of the black, which is a big room. Yeah, I remember doing. I had to do merch, and I remember going, "Oh fuck, I can't do merch because people are talking in. I couldn't understand anyone. They were talking in tongues. Too much acid, mate.
what a what a great um we'll, we'll make some educational clips out of this you know, you know I, 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 i'm an advocate now for no drugs but i haven't had i've been clean for five years this december mm. no booze no drugs no nothing and i'm telling you i, I say to all the young blokes fucking give it up mm. give it the fuck up like I'm glad I wasn't straight edge in my youth. I think that that's the wrong way to do it. Because I've, ta- I've talked to straight edges since that think that, and I won't name, but you know, people that we know from bands that who think that being vegan straight edge, or not, maybe not the straight edge part, but maybe vegan, being vegan early in life and not doing it properly might have fucked with some of their development in them. But mate, I've just had a, a bit of a health scare in the last few weeks, done a lot of tests and that, and I've come out pretty fucking good for a 50 year old man. Um, my kidneys are a little bit damaged, but not to the point where, fingers crossed, there's not going to be anything serious. Yep. But, um, yeah, look, I say to the young blokes now, mate, give it up. Fuck it. You know, I pushed the envelope, mate. I was fucking, you know, 38 and, mate, fucking still dipping in, mate. You know, it's too lot too old. Like, I don't, and I know people do it, but you've got to call it. I call yeah. it. And you know what? I, I actually call myself straight edge now. Like, if someone said to me, I identify straight edge now, so... That's news I, feel like, I feel like controversy <laughs> will be following that. When, when... Yeah, you know, this, this is like the coming out. Everyone, I am now straight edge. Oh, seriously, I've got the edge. I'm not a vegan or anything like that. I have been, I've been veg on the past, but, mate, I, I've got the edge. And I'm proud of it, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could never have a hangover now with the kids. Fuck me, mate. Get nothing done. You're trying to pump out a release a week as well. So, I mean, we got a little bit maudlin there and we got a little bit existentialist and that's kind of cool because I did wonder, man, like my, you know, my last label related question is if inner city uprising had a legacy, like, have you thought about that? And, and what would you want it to be? Oh, I don't think, I, I just don't have legacy sort of do, you know, like I'll, this is a pretty morbid story, but I'll tell you what, I had a bit of impending doom a couple of weeks ago. I actually thought I was really, really sick to the point where, you know, something shitty was really going to happen to me. Um, turned out to be fuck all, as blokes do. I've talked myself into Google Doctor. I was dying, mate. You know, I had fucking all sorts of cancers. Um, I was waiting for a phone call from the doctor. My CT scan had come in and, and, the, and the nurse said to me, look, or the admin lady goes, look, I'll just go get him. That 45 seconds I waited for him, I must have changed colour to white, green, whatever colours I'm changing. My whole body became just drenched in sweat. I'm not one for anxiety. Uh, I had, I swear, it was impending doom. It, uh, the darkest cloud entered me, and um, I forget where I'm going with this already. Legacy. Oh yeah. And uh, at that point, I didn't give a fuck about legacy, mate. I'm all worried about my fucking two-year-old kid who's very fucking attached to me going, Daddy, Daddy, where's fuck's Daddy? That's my legacy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I do hope is that the boys have, when, I, when my kids are alive, they have some understanding of what I did. Yeah, wow. Yep. So that just in case someone ever in a million years' time says to them, hey, your dad was um, such and such, do you reckon he's got this, you guys have got a copy of this so we can do something with it? Wow. And that's all I'd want, you know, just so it gets to carry on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't like it to just, I wouldn't like that band camp switch to be turned off and it goes poof into a, a, a some yeah. digital fart. Yeah, of course. I would like someone to carry it on in some way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's but, uh, to me like what you've done as well. Like you, you've just been doing that on behalf of other people with their stuff. Yeah, it feels like I've brought it. 
not obviously I haven't been able to bring everything up, but it feels like I've, you know, it's like panning for gold. You know, I've brought some gold up to the surface that people can to, to get, get into. Yeah. And that's really what, what it's about. It's I just wanted to, yeah, absolutely. I don't want any, I don't want that sort of shit to die, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm still, like I said, still digging. I've got plenty of people on the go digging for me. You've got to find this, you've got to find this for me. But that's the sort of legacy I want. It's just so people can enjoy it later. Yeah. You know, it's, Sure, there's plenty. You know, I'm an egotistic fuckwit as well. You know, I'm that, but but I love it. You know, I love the music. I love dealing. With, I love talking to dudes in bands. I love talking about their old releases and stuff and what we're going to do with it. You know, and yeah, that's that's a legacy I want. I'd love it so my kids know that they that I've done it. In, in case they might not be into it, you know, they might listen to fucking I don't know, fuck knows what they're listening on the radio these days. I wouldn't have a fucking clue. Yeah. But just so they go, oh, yeah, that's right. My old boy had that. Yeah. We're not using it. You can have it. Yeah, for sure. That, you know, that sort of history sort yeah, of lesson. Absolutely. And, my, and my, when I pass away, I might leave some instructions. Yeah, yeah. What to do with this label. This is where you'll find that two party seven inch if yeah, someone asks for it. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, there's, there's an element of this that is about culture and heritage, isn't it? Like, it's about getting down the line. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a cultural, It's a, the, the whole thing's a cultural... From that, from that fan yeah. thing that you picked up when you were that young kid all the way through to like what you're putting out, you know, now and next year, it's about kind of keeping this thing kind of going. That's and it. And, you know, and it's been a lifestyle. It's it's not just a, you know, it's never been about a trend for me. It's a, it's a lot. It's my lifestyle, yeah. you know. I've, it's always had that. I, I suppose people can question, you know, some of the shit that I've said in time and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But I think I've come to a point where, you know, I've taken the punk ethos and now I'm running it with it in a positive way, which is good. It's, and it's much healthier for me as well. But that's, that's how I live, you know. I'm a strict anti-authority sort of guy. Um, I break rules. I, I intentionally make sure that I break rules. Uh, I won't say what they are or what I do these days, but, you know, they, they, I, I don't like the law. I don't like the government. So I stab it in my own personal way, whatever it takes. You know, I just feel that in my life, it's always been about kicking kicking back. And I've done it in the wrong way sometimes, but now I do it in a smarter way, you know? And, and, I, and a lot of people do, you know, which is good, you know? I'm kicking it to the man, you know? That's, that's one thing I always want to do, and I've always done it. Jay, we've asked you to, to name a charity to try yeah, and yeah. What, what what is it and why what have you chosen oh, look for me look I, I, I won't say where i work but i work in the new town in new town you know and um i've been a case manager now for about seven years prior to that i was an engineer didn't give a fuck about people you know it's this 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 course of you know has changed my life being becoming community worker you know and uh, I get to see a lot of other community centres and work with them in the area. And one of them that I always uh, really took, uh, oh, it really just resonated with me was the um, Newtown Asylum Seekers Centre. Oh, wow. Look, there, I, I've been, I visited the place a few times, you know, I'm walking many times. I, I just go and have a walk, if, you know, once or twice a year and have to check it out. Yeah. They're doing amazing work um, with... Uh, people that have obviously left fucking really shitty situations mm -hmm. that have absolutely no resources. They're treated like shit here. Um, the government's given, give them nothing. You know, people always go, Oh yeah, these wogs come over and they get this and that, mate. They get fucking nothing. mate. People are fucking idiots. If they think they're getting handouts, they get nothing. They can't work. They can't get the dot. They can't get medical. They can't do shit, mate. 
So you know, you see these people, like, mate, I see, because I, I, I park my car sometimes in the morning, mate, I see families with fucking, you know, three kids. Mate, they can't do anything. They can't even fucking have enough money to rent. Yeah, yeah. Having fled a war zone. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. And, and, you know, my, 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 the thing that gets me too is like, and um, that's why I hate when I get called a Nazi, you know, and I've said stupid shit that fucking leans towards the right. Fair enough. Whatever. Fuck, it's all shit anyway. I just like pissing people off, but. The story for me is both my parents came from Italy, right? Both my parents are Italian. They, they married here. They both born and bred there and came here. They both came here for the Second World War, mate. They escaped shit. You know, they escaped Nazi Germany. You know, they came here for a better life, you know. And that mild boy, man, he, he, he got chucked in fucking Villawood Migrant Hostile. He's there for fucking nine months to treat like shit. Wow, yeah. You know, caught a boat out here. It got stuck in fucking Calcutta, India for a year because the boat broke down and that. He, they did it tough, you know. They came here and they started with fucking nothing and they built, you know, walk mansions and did that, you know, did this and did that. But like, my boy fucking he was lucky, but, you know, he worked. I didn't see him in the morning and I went to bed and didn't see him for seven days a fucking week for 12, 16. Yeah. You know, he had to work his cunt out, you know, and he was lucky. He got the opportunity to do it. These guys don't get that, that opportunity anymore, you know, and. Sure, sometimes, you know, you get those stories where you hear those bad apples and you go, oh, this bloke's come over and he's fucking done a terrorist act or something. Whatever, that's a very small minority, mate. I see the women and children in these places. They're harmless, you know. They've seen shit they don't need to see. They're traumatised. And, yeah, look, I'm really passionate about giving them a coin. So, and, look, I haven't raised teeth, but every show that I do, and when I do a big show these days, fuck, fuck paying every band 80 bucks so everyone goes home with 20 bucks anyway. Who gives a fuck, mate? I'd rather play for free, you know? So I just say, look, I'm not paying the bands. I take my cost. The rest is going to Asylum Seekers Center, you know? Mm. And I, I just think they deserve it, you know? They need to have a crack because um, those guys get zero, mate. Our government's giving them nothing. And what, I, you know, I mean, you know, to echo that idea of, like, you know, um, let's let's take a stand and actually you know there, there there's got to be a meaning to what we do and if if that is we yeah, yeah. play for free because we're having fun anyway and we give all the coin to them but then what a cool thing and and that's exactly why why I'm asking you to name that charity so yeah. look all I've got to say too, I'll give a shout out to every band that I, I've only been doing it for the last two or three years now but every band that's ever played a bill that's that's let us donate the money mate every single band has been fucking cool you know yeah. that, uh, you know like I said I'm not one for pats on the back but it's nice to get an email from a band saying, Jay, thanks heaps, man. You did the right thing. And together, like, it, it, again, it's a little bit egotistic. I go and pre present the check. It's behalf of a lot of people, yeah, yeah. but I get to do it and I feel good doing it. Yeah. You know, maybe it's some karma points I need to pay back. I don't know, but it's going to the right charity. These guys get zero, yeah. you know, they're living on a budget, you know, and they're, they're vulnerable people, man, you know, so, you know, some of those people are going to get sent back to, you know, they're not going to pass the fucking criteria or the bullshit rules they've got, you know? Yeah, it's shitty, mate. Mate, it's been such an honour to hear about, um, you know, what goes on behind the label. And, um, and I look forward to those releases that are coming next year. And I kind of know you've name dropped one or two and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I hope I get one of them Magnusite 12 inches. Yeah, I know we're doing short runs. That is, that is the catch next year. We, we made a conscious effort because we're both not fully flushed. We thought, you know what? We'll do a hundred of each LP. The band gets 15 or 20 copies. We get 40 each to split between two labels. So they are going to go like that. And 
We're just going to keep them steamrolling. And there is some absolute killers. It's all nostalgic shit. There's no new shit. It's all old. But, yeah, we're going to... There's some, there's a couple of bizarre ones as well, but they're all... They're fucking killer. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you so much for talking, my friend. No worries, man. Good to talk to you, Mars. You've been a legend. Thank you. So there it is, folks. We, we, we got from beer and bile to straight edge. I hope you enjoyed uh, the first episode of uh, More Than a Label and the little trip into criminally funded hardcore. I love that, that Jay's put out so many records and so many releases over time that, that even a, a, a split 12-inch with toe-to-toe and mind snare, probably two of Australia's most influential hardcore bands, just slips his memory that it's even happened. Hey, check the show notes out. I found a bunch of info on Tutu Partsy on their history and some really interesting stuff there. I'll, I'll put up a link for that snapshot interview so you can catch up with the first couple of years. I'll also put in some links for the Inner City Uprising uh, Bandcamp page and, and also Home Taping Killed Music where you can download the, the Call It Whatever You Want comps that Jay talks about as well as the Cover Whatever You Want comp and a bunch of other amazing stuff. But I'd encourage everyone to check out um, Inner City Uprising and um, get across some of those releases. I think Jay's right when he says that some of that stuff is absolutely must have um, Australian hardcore punk history and, and we should all have copies of that stuff. Obviously, keep an eye on what's coming up as well. It sounds like there's some killer stuff coming out this year on vinyl and the snippet that Jay has given me in confidence is pretty freaking amazing, I'll, I'll tell you that much. Next episodes, we've got a couple coming up already, really exciting. We're going to do a, a pretty swift 180 and go to a completely different place for the next episode. I'm going to keep that in the bag for now. In the meantime, um, I, I'd really appreciate it if you um, liked the More Than a Label Facebook page to keep up to date. And heck, like, you know, send send in, keep the conversation going, send in your inner city uprising stuff, your history, send in snapshot photos from back in the day and whatever. I would love to see those and I know Jay would too. So, so keep an eye on that and please send some stuff in. Please tell people about this podcast. If you enjoyed the last couple of hours and, and what I'm trying to do, then then please, you know, let me know and let let other people know. I would really appreciate that. Until next time, hey, buy a record from a, from a local label. Heck, start a label. I would love to talk to you about that someday. Okay, dude. Well, if it wasn't for that fucking record, you wouldn't be able to show today. You'd be still out at fucking wherever you live, listening to Cold Chisel, singing K-Stand with your mates on Fun Fun. 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 F